Hello and welcome to the New Lines podcast. I'm Fires Ali Afai. And this is a podcast where we delve into some of the biggest ideas, events, and personalities in the Middle East and beyond. Today I'm joined by Isam Araihat, the editor in chief of the satirical news site Al Hudud, which means the limits in Arabic. It's a site that has proven to be immensely popular, very funny, and of course has provoked Middle Eastern governments and supporters. Isam, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So I thought we'd start by going through some of your favorite headlines. And the stories, I should say, for the audience, you publish in both Arabic and English. So you have an Arabic language edition. Uh, the headlines that we will reference have come from both the Arabic and English language editions, but we'll read them all in English. So everybody listening will be able to follow along with the jokes. Very good. So, uh, yeah, let's start with let's start with a couple. Um, so I guess um, it's like on the light, uh, but sort of like a prevalent sense of authoritarianism in the region. One of my favorites is just uh, is just authorities arrest man because they can. Right. Let's do let's do another one. <laughs> um, I mean, again, on the lighter side, maybe it's something like um, WhatsApp adds feature that automatically ends relationships after long voice notes. You can see here that I have like a serious aversion to uh, voice notes. I actually have my, my note on WhatsApp, like the message that uh, people can see is like, please do not send me voice notes. I won't listen to them. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's a, the, this is something we'll talk about a little bit more. But I mean, some of the satire is very rooted in the Arab experience and some of it is not. I mean, the first one about authoritarianism is very much rooted certainly in the Arab authoritarianism uh, experience. Whereas this one is, I mean, this is just a standard thing across the world. Anybody who has a WhatsApp knows about that. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I wonder, I wonder, it's like, I think how, because the people really love, you know, it's like sending, like when they figured out that they could send voice messages and then there's the other side of the world where like sort of hates them like more than anything. And it's like, just like gets really, really angry by the fact that someone, you know, could sort of blabber on for like three minutes, just like thinking their thoughts and leaving long ums in the... <laughs> Well, I'm I'm definitely in the category of of liking it. Um, I don't have a problem. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I, I don't particularly like them if they are very long. Uh, in fact, today, actually, a, a friend of mine, she sent me a long voice note and I was listening to it. It's about three and a half minutes and about three minutes into it, like not even at the end, she called. And I'm like, what, if you're going to just call me, why do you have to deliver this voice note to me? So, let's keep them. But I like them. I don't, I don't think, I think sometimes, I mean, to be honest, there's a little bit of a, of a sort of crossover with the, with the satire that sometimes the satire and the comedy is in the tone. And with WhatsApp, it's like that too. Like sometimes someone will send you a message and it's in the tone. It wouldn't come across just written. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's like, like I think most modern uh, fights are just about, you know, it's like they, they put a, a full stop at the end of a sentence. Like, so why are they so aggressive? It's like someone who's just like trying to be grammatically correct. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that is, yeah, that is a, a big part of it, yeah. Anyway, and I find, um, I find question marks, you know, somebody asks you something and then you don't respond immediately. Sometimes they'll send like just a question mark, you know, meaning have you, have you read it? Have you heard? What's your answer? But sometimes they ask, the, they have more than one question mark. And it seems very aggressive. It's like, I'm trying to give you an answer. <laughs> give, give me a second. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think it's like, I, I think this is actually it's like we're uh, into the sort of the team because where the team is sort of all over the place and it's like uh, the majority of things because you're also you're constantly sort of discussing these things and most of our discussions happen, you know, it's like like on text basically because um, for various reasons basically, but, but basically tune is lost and you know it's like aside from sort of trying to figure out like how to tell someone it's like how like a joke could be funnier or this or that it's like you're, you're when you're talking about um how people uh, about people's humor and how they can make it better and all of that like mm. this a lot can be misunderstood by things being written <laughs> yeah no absolutely i mean the tone of the of the joke really matters I and mean, we will we'll we'll come to that but i i am i am interested actually you might this might be an opportunity to read one of the headlines that you were telling me about about syria and russia because that one is interesting because you do need to get the sort of sense of it a little bit yeah absolutely um so this one uh, goes uh, assad pledges support for putin vows to bomb hospitals in any rebellious russian city <laughs> right so you, you see that that's quite a long headline i mean it's probably actually easier if you read it because then you sort of read the end of it because the, the sting comes at the very end of it where you you know you see the double standards of obviously the, the syrians are not going to be bombing rebellious russian cities although the russians are doing that to the syrians um but anyway keep going there's one more i think uh, we should go into or two more i think um yeah there's one uh, on syria again to continue there's uh, uh you know there's just a simple event of a man a syrian man dies of natural causes i mean there's a, that's kind of black comedy really i mean there are so many people who've passed away because of the regime and this uh, this civil war that the joke without having to dissect it like um like eb white says which comedy is like a frog when you dissect it it dies but to some degree i want to dissect it because i think maybe the audience isn't as familiar with the joke but it's a very serious thing i mean you're, you're making quite a quite a black joke there yeah i think i think the problem in the region is it would be difficult not to like like uh, the majority of the way the things we cover are sort of awful things like sort of atrocities war crimes uh um uh, torture like there there's a lot that needs to be covered it's like a, a lot of how we perceive ourselves is we want to talk about these issues um to people who are not actually reading about them to people who are sort of like not understanding the contexts of them and like sort of the uh, the size and the extreme uh, like how extreme uh, the problem for example is like it's like when you we talk about syria and you say six hundred thousand people died in 10 years like mm. that's not something that anyone can understand it's like everyone's already shot off um and there is sort of a, a an, an important part of our role is to keep talking about these things and while it is quite as you said it's like it's dark comedy but it's like it's the aim of it is to sort of keep these things alive to like sort of remind people of what's happening there and uh, keep them actually thinking about it rather than shut off okay and we're done well there actually that might lead us quite nicely into this one you this um, this headline about Saudi Arabia because that's quite similar read the headline and then we'll go into it um, so this one is this one which I uh, is very close to my heart actually because it uh, hits both on Saudi Arabia and Iran in one hit, uh, which is uh, something that confuses audiences who are loyal to either side a lot. Um, which is uh, Saudi Arabia condemns Houthi's use of human shields, even though it's it's going to bomb them anyway. <laughs> but you, there, I mean that you you do need to know what is going on in the conflict. 
Otherwise, you wouldn't really get it, would you? No, absolutely not. But uh, these are our articles. Like, like we do some of the our English. We do a little bit of English uh, stuff, but the, the majority of this is aimed. Our English work is aimed at people who are either know the region or at diaspora or at um, uh, people who are like just knowledgeable uh, about what's happening there. Because I mean, uh, again, it's like you know, it's like you go. Would you go to a your grandmother a joke about bitcoin you know what i mean it's like it's mm. not relevant it's like this mm. is this is not yeah this is our audience yes no i i understand well what about i mean that was that headline is a good example of of you going after both sides and i think that's sort of deliberate isn't it really oh very much so like i mean uh, the way we normally operate is sort of like you know it's like we write today about saudi the next day about iran the next day about uh, the syria uh, the syrian regime the next day about the opposition there etc etc but um uh, also it's like i think there's we have a certain awareness of the problem of Safar being sort of um uh, weaponized and used against people so it's like you'd say it's like oh we you'd write something again like sort of criticizing um saudi's um, actions in yemen or something and then it could immediately be taken by the houthis and sort of like and taken as a point uh, to the houthis and uh, we just sort of are very aware that we need to keep always a balanced output of um, um, uh, criticism on on both sides, but in the ideal case, is the headline which in itself actually criticizes both sides. And you said about the Houthis that if you you make fun of one side, you make fun of the other side, and then obviously there is this danger that you know, for example, in that example, the the, the Houthis will say, "Aha, they're making fun of the Saudis; they're on our side." You do get that. I mean, people are going to think that the objects of your comedy are also people that you agree with or people you disagree with. Um, of course. But they're going I mean, to infer. Uh, they're going to infer your political views from the comedy. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, and and wherever possible, it's like we just try to sort of make things clear. So it's like, if in the headline, the headline is sort of just critiquing one side, we just make sure in the article both are critiqued. But uh, you could only you could only do so much, you know. It's like it's like we're we're very aware of it, but you can only do so much in order to sort of keep it in check. Like I remember there was one time we wrote an article about. I think I think it was about Saudi and like sort of human rights something, and then this Qatari propaganda thing took the article and made a video out of it and sort of like blew it up into this really big thing, and it was insane. And we reported it as basically as uh, intellectual property theft. But <laughs> yeah, it's like they can, they they can have lives on their own. But on the other hand, I think we're also spread out. Far, uh, far enough that we actually can see where all of where it could be used elsewhere. We normally know. Normally, our readers or our audience will eventually come to us. It's like it's like look what that person has done. Look what that organization has done. So it's like we actually get to see um, a lot of the times where its life goes. So that isn't really something that you are too worried about. I mean, if one if one satirical article targets one side, you, you're not worried about it because the next satirical article will target the other side. Exactly, exactly. And I think I think it's just important for the for the understanding. I think in the region, so it's not just about um, you know, uh, it's about the individuals understanding that um, if you're 
criticizing one side it's not even it doesn't even mean that it's like oh you're against it even or or that uh, like in in a lot of cases it's just about you pointing out where there is something wrong like when we are criticizing saudi's human rights record it's not because we hate saudi <laughs> it's as simple as that there is a problem that needs to be talked about and even if you are whatever it's like where your loyalties lie if there is a problem you need to actually criticize it and talk about it mm. I mean, usually, I, I want to talk a bit about the the objects of your satire. Um, but do you think, before we get there, do you think that there is a distinction in your mind between satire and comedy? Like you're doing one and not the other, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, good. They could sort of obviously. There's a massive overlap, but I think the general idea is satire isn't necessarily funny. I think there's one thing, and uh, on the other, comedy. Isn't doesn't necessarily have to say something. Mm. So and there's a big uh, sort of overlap in the middle, but there's a, a bit on the fringe here and a bit on the fringe there where they don't. But for you, it's really important to say something. Oh no, absolutely. Like so, say, uh, we, we yeah. Like, I mean, it's like we had a discussion today. It's like we literally we were sort of like working on our uh, weekly um, session uh, to discuss what we want to talk about, and there was one really good headline, and it was like it it was sort of voted out because it's like it's a funny headline, but it's just like really not saying anything. So we mm. it just it was just chucked. So the comedy comes second to the political point scoring. Absolutely. Mm. So uh, let's talk about the objects of the comedy of the objects of the satire because. Um, you know, in a lot of the comedy majority, I think, is very focused on the, the Middle East and the Arab world. And in the Arab world and in most conservative societies, you have three aspects that are seen as not really being decent subjects for comedy. So you have religion, of course, you have the rulers, and then something around family and sexual matters. You know, you don't you make too much of uh, sexually explicit jokes that's seen as being not really something that uh, decent people do. I've noticed you don't really go after those topics all that much. And I think that's something that people who, who support you in the West would probably be surprised about. They'd probably expect you to go after those topics. The three, you think we don't go after all three topics? I would say, I mean, you certainly, it seems to me, you don't go after religion as much as you don't. I don't saying that you should. I'm saying you don't go after religion as much as I think your supporters in the West would think that you should, given the the, the, you know, the difficulties that we are having in the world today. Um, the rulers you do go after, but even there, I mean, those jokes... So I'll give you one example about the rulers, since we're talking about it. Here is a, a headline you used. Uh, the headline is, uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini says to Iranians, just look at these lovely presidential candidates I handpicked for you. And that's a sort of absurd. <laughs> I like that you're laughing as well. <laughs> they still are I funny. Like even. I like that one. <laughs> no, it's a good one. Um, but even with that one, I mean, that could apply to a bunch of, you could take that form of the joke and apply it to other countries as well. So there you're not really going after Khomeini as such. You're going after the absurdity of the, the political system, any political system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I don't think we um, just make fun of the leaders per se. You see what I mean? And I think, mm. I think it's like, it's actually, it is very conscious because it's pointless. Like you could you could make fun of them in so many ways. Uh, but like it's like even when you know CC can't sort of build two sentences together, like it's like our our thing is uh, like our 
joke there wouldn't be that's like look at that idiot even though it definitely applies but it's more like like this is the person who's leading a country and like there's an issue that needs to be talked about that he's not talking about you know what i mean so it's like Mm. it's it's not it's like like there's less ad hominem in our um, critique of um sort of the political figures um and i think i think it's just like it doesn't add enough uh, to do that. Um, for the other two categories, I think we're very aware of both, and I'll tell you why we approach them in that way. So, for example, yeah. in terms of um, religions, we've hit on topics relating to religion quite a lot, and but in very in a very surgical manner. So, um, it's part of our editorial policy is that we do not critique faiths. So I'm not there to say it's like whether it's like, oh, there's something absurd about it's like that, that those people believe X or those people believe Y because right. faith is faith and it's to each their own. And I think this is a very important part that I think a lot of other satire organizations are not very uh, sort of um, aware of or it's like or how they handle it or it's like how, how it should be seen. That's like, oh, this, this is how satire should be working. Um, uh, and... Therefore, when we're talking about religion, we normally try to associate it with acts that are done in the name of religion badly. Right. So uh, one example would be like one of my favorite headlines, very early headlines, actually, when we started was, um, you know, how people when they're going to the Friday prayers, they'll just park literally their car anywhere, block any road, and they go out of the car and then go to the prayers. Like, like, it's like God's on my side. You're doing something that's probably like the, the, the assumption is that whatever you're doing doesn't matter because I'm going to pray to God. Right. And therefore, do that. And our headline then was, um, it was, I think, man engineers the way he parks so that he could block as many sort of car, uh, like house entrances or garages as possible. Mm. So, this isn't there's nothing against religion there's nothing against faith but against people using religion in ways to justify whatever they're doing yeah i mean there's so, the there's a the hypocrisy of it yeah exactly so there was it, another headline uh, which is related I, I forget the exact detail of it but the joke was about an imam who was getting out of his bmw but using the right foot because that was part of the sunnah exactly so there's the sort of hypocrisy of it. You're not attacking the 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 specific religious practices, and you're not even attacking the the things that people might believe, stories about angels or things like that. You're just attacking the hypocrisy and the absurdity of those who practice faith. Yeah, because it's pointless otherwise. I mean, like, I think like it being done in the West, I think in some ways isn't because like because there is. I mean, to some degree, there to some degree there is more tolerance, or it's like at least the laws <laughs> force people to be tolerant, at least. Um, and it's like it's sort of built up to a, a certain tolerance that currently um, uh, happens or currently exists. But for the time being, if I try to write an article and whatever I feel about any religion, whatever uh, my own beliefs are, it's like if I sort of make that joke, it's pointless. It's like I'm just going to alienate people. Like most people, like the region is generally a conservative and sort of to an extent, I think. I think it's definitely more conservative than it is religious. But it is mm. still it's like it's conservative. It's conservative, and there is a certain religiousness um, to the uh, to the region in general. And it's like if I'm going to try to start doing that, instead of getting more people to hear the things that I want to actually say about politics, about the human rights situation, and all of that, I'm just gonna they're gonna read that, and then it's like, why why are you doing that? 
But so, then, yeah, no, I I understand that. But even that, you do make you do make jokes about faith sometimes. And this is sort of this is where I wanted to push you a little bit because there was one example: mm-hmm. um, uh, two year old becomes youngest girl to wear hijab by choice. Now that I mean, one, yeah, go on. No, but I mean, obviously, this is this is not religion. This is people actually. It's like even if we want to say to go by what uh, the Prophet Muhammad said, he said, uh, uh, "I think uh, girls should be covered when they reach puberty at age 11. It's like I'm I'm not even talking about that. This is not my issue. I mean, it's like I could agree with that or not agree with that, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who uh, are sexually objectifying a two-year-old by putting a hijab on her. But not everybody is going to read that and think that you are going after the premature sexualization of children. Some people will read that and think that you are attacking the idea of children wearing hijab. Um, I th- I think most people will, but I think this is why they're written very carefully. I think they will do that, but that will open a discussion about things. And I remember that article, and I think it's almost every time there is a, a good... Uh, debate under it about say like between people talking about like what this means what this headline actually means and it's like and if I'm talking about it and I say and I believe that it should it while people will be offended no matter what we say no matter what we do people as long as we're mentioning the hijab in some way that is satirical they will be offended they will think that it is somehow uh, in some way criticizing religion so I can't stop that. I can't stop people from being offended at the mention of anything that has to do with religion. I can't do that. That's too much policing. That's like, that. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense. What I can do is try to make a point that is as sharp as possible by making it sort of uh, as specific as I'm doing with targeting, like w- with sort of uh, taking it, making it about the two-year-old basically. And then I hope that that would come across. But then aren't and, you... And, uh, yeah, go on. And, no, and, the, and the, the conversation that happens between people is what's important, whether it was online or between people who read it or people who discuss it. Like I, I, like I hear a lot about people discussing our articles between themselves because there is a certain level of controversy in everything that we do. Safara is, is intrinsically... Um, uh, um, controversial. Um, but... That isn't my problem. That it, it it's a good thing in a lot of ways because then people can actually talk about these things and see where the lines are. But but given how conservative the region is, and we can debate whether you think conservatism is a good thing or a bad thing. It is at the moment that is what the region is like. Are you satirizing people's experiences? Remember, you said that the satire is the part that matters, or are you just poking fun at them? I don't see how that could. Be. I, I don't know how we uh, how it could be that. Well, be let's honest, take because... an, let's take an example. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Here's one of the these uh, headlines. It says, "Intelligence service corrects belief of man who thought he only feared God." Now mm-hmm. that is, in some way, a joke about, of course, the intelligence services that torture a lot of people every year. We know that story. At the same time, for a lot of people in the region, the idea of fearing God above everything else is important. It's part of the culture. And I wonder sometimes when I read the I read the the articles if you are taking aim at something religion and and the way that religion exists in the culture, which in the West is seen as a legitimate topic of comedy, 
but in the Middle East is seen as part of culture and not a subject for comedy. And I think, are you, you're taking an aim at something which you think is about faith, but which most people will interpret as being part of culture. Um, I think the way we're, we're, we see this is this way. I think there's, we try to see what we're trying to get across. We try to phrase it in the closest way possible to get across the point that we want to get. Once we do that, we're also very aware of how things can be received. And therefore, we follow up very much on the conversations that happen under our articles in whatever platform that they happen. Um, when we feel that we've done wrong, we actually do step back and, and, and see that. For the most of the, for the articles that you're mentioning and the ones we're talking about, generally the reaction has not been that. The article that you're talking about, about the fear of God, is complete. I, I do not remember a single person actually commenting that this is actually blasphemous in any way. This is just showing the, the horrid and um, uh, extreme uh, lengths that the intelligence services in the region operate. Do you feel that there are uh, any limits? The, the name of the website is The Limits. But do you think that there are any limits? Like, are there things you wouldn't joke about? I think faith, we don't, just because it's pointless rather than because it's a red line. Uh, it's it, a, a, that we see it, it's both pointless and uh, uh, alienating. Um and sort of, and uh, like, and for the joke to have a point rather than you know, it's just like you know, an offense or like you know, uh, an attack against the person themselves. So it's like as long as it's actually saying something. But I think otherwise, I don't think so. I wanted to explore this by talking about uh, Charlie Hebdo. Mm. And uh, when I when you bring up Charlie Hebdo, inevitably the audience is going to think that we're talking about the cartoons of the the prophet, which I'm not going to, if only because I think that I think that topic has been has been done to death. I almost feel the same about that topic in the way that you were saying about making jokes about faith. Like I wonder where it it's been so politicized over the years. Although maybe I mean it might be worthwhile since we've raised it. Would you publish something along those lines? Yeah, because again, it goes back to being pointless. It's like it's. I think it's like the uh, Charlie's sort of approach of um, like let's shout free speech so that we can say anything we want at all, and there are no ramifications, and it doesn't matter. Isn't the approach that we take? We, what the approach we take is is there criticism that we can actually talk about, and then we take it forward. I and if it was about, I was like. Like I, I generally say, if, if it was that, let's say, let's take the, those cartoons. They're sort of against the man. They're like they're against the person rather than actually trying to critique religion in any way fruitful. It is, uh, it is more of a freedom of speech uh, obsession into like and sort of you know France being able to say the French being able to say anything in any way without any ramifications, rather than it is about being able to criticize or critique or discuss any issue you, you want. Mm. But the, the, the cartoon that I really wanted to discuss from Charlie Hebdo was a different cartoon. It was a cartoon that was published at the end of, uh, at the end of 2019. And it was to do with the deaths of 13 French soldiers in Mali. Um, one of the worst incidents of loss of um, French military life in decades. And the cart the magazine published a cartoon of, um, I guess, President Macron standing in front of a coffin, which was draped. And the headline said, I joined to stand out from the crowd, 
which was a recruitment slogan inside France. Now, unsurprisingly, even though that was seen as satire and they intended it as satire, there was uproar. The politicians got involved, the army's chief of staff had something to say, and to some degree they had to, if not backtrack, I think they did have to apologize to some degree. There, there is an arg- there is a discussion to be had about how different the response was when they attacked the military to when they attacked the, the, the faith of their largest minority group. Leave that to one side, but then answer me this. Would you have made a joke like that about the army um, the, and loss of life like that? Because the families were, families were you know, still in mourning of the loss of their children. Um, I, I think it's a legit joke. Uh, I I don't stand against it in a way in ways that I would against you know the the, the other things where it's just shouting because there is a point there is the um, the the you know the paradoxical nature of it because like there's something very strong that's being said that this is what's happening and then they ended up um, actually actually no 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 it's just in bad taste actually I no, think that's, that's the problem do you think it's in bad yeah, taste. Yeah, I think so because it's just because it's taking because they weren't they weren't there doing they were they, sorry what were they doing there Yeah, I mean the, that that to, yeah sure I mean to some degree that maybe that explains it because it's satirical for the French because the French context is that the the French military have been involved for um, years now in this operate what they call Operation Barhan in the uh, in the Sahel in Mali and in other countries. And so there is a sense among the French that a lot of people are getting hurt and dying in that war, which is very far away from France, and they wonder why they are there in the first place. So that is the the political context that underlines the the joke where they say, well, here's another young man who lost his life. And then the question is, well, why did he lose his life? And it's implicitly a rebuke to the government and to Macron for putting those people in, in danger in the first place. Yeah, no, I think that in, in that way, no, I think that then the joke actually makes sense. It is trying to say something. I thought it was uh, sort of just like sort of making fun. It's like when, when they were sort of mm. doing, trying to do something good in the in the country. Do you see, it's like it is, it is really all about context. If it's sort of trying to sort of shed a light on the fact that you know, it's like this is a word that they should not be having. Then absolutely, mm. like this is completely fair game. And it's like it's not making fun of the like. Yes, people are in mourning, and it is quite a dark joke. But at the same time, I think it's yeah, I think it's uh, to 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 the extent that I know about it actually, uh, because I did not know about this uh, actually before. Um, but to what uh, to the extent that I'm hearing from you here, it sounds like they're trying to say it's something. a reasonable joke. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that you talk about context, a lot of the jokes that you make are very rooted, a lot of the satire, I should say, are very rooted in in the context of the Arab world. I mean, I sometimes think they are, I mean, they're certainly the ones that are not political are very much universal. So there was one, I think you did this quite recently, um, where you said, mother prepares children for democracy by asking what they want for lunch, then cooking mulakhiya anyway, which is yeah. really, I mean, that's a joke that could work anywhere. You'd have to you know, take out the mulakhiya, but I mean, people would get that joke anyway. Yeah, but on the other hand, but the the the, the lack of democracy is sort of more yeah. So it's like yeah, it would be relevant to uh, anyone where they can feel the lack of democracy. I think it's like you would sort of like not because it's all about relating. Like that's what humor is. So it's like as mm. long as I, I, I like I when I, I remember going somewhere in uh, Southeast Asia and. Uh, 
some people sort of read the website through Google Translate, and there was like there was like immediately relating, like like actually laughing out loud through a Google translation. Uh, while I think for most headlines, because especially because of the context, or it's like when it's about sort of the uh, authoritarianism and things like that, it's less relevant to Western audiences. Hmm. I mean, there's one more. I just wanted to say this one because I think it's funny. I don't really have a question about it, but this was a joke about uh, about Ramadan, and that is very, very. I mean, very niche. Um, although you know, global majority, but still, it's still very niche. So the joke was: men whine about not having sex while fasting, as if constantly having sex the rest of the year. And there, that's a joke I think that a lot of people can relate to. They can see the joke in it and and transfer it across to their own experiences. Oh, yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I wanted to think about uh, outrage a little bit, because you say you, you do get quite a lot of audience feedback. Um, what do you make of the people who are critical of your of your writing? Do you think that they are seriously upset about it? Or do you think that they are a sort of manufacturing outrage? Um there I think there are very different groups and types of people who are uh, who don't uh, like us. I think it's like we have a, a large following, but we constantly have a large unfollowing. So it's like on a weekly basis. So I think it's like <laughs> a lot of sort of like there's like for most. Uh, let's say it's like uh, social media pages uh, everywhere. It's like there's always like you know, say sort of slow, constant growth. We constantly, it's like we're we're constantly growing and we're constantly uh, like they're being culled on a weekly basis because it's like, <laughs> no, it's like we're we write like, it's like but but some people it's like oh you know it's like we we wrote an article on the, like. Uh, criticizing Saudi and then it's like some guy uh some Qatar guy liked it and then the next day sees uh, something against Qatar and you know and and unlikes and like things like that but there's also like there are so many reasons that people could be outraged by our writing even though like it's funny considering it's like how carefully um written it is like, like just how, how much it takes into account all of the angles you know uh, uh the, or we try to sort of take in all the angles uh, in it but um so i mean it's like the angriest people uh we normally have a section in the that we publish which is called our fan mail basically where you have just sort of like people just like sort of really really angry just sort of like not not being able to hold their anger together it's like it's incredibly funny because like there's no there isn't just sort of like any sense just, there's just like anger anger don't know what to say you know which is quite hilarious uh, for me because they're because they don't know what the problem is it's like oh it's like you you, you mentioned hijab and therefore I know there's something wrong I need to do about that, you know, and then, but there's no argument. And therefore that we make fun of that. We don't take seriously. Well, that, that actually, the... yeah, that bit actually is the, the part that intrigues me about the outrage. And it's a broader question about the outrage in the age of social media, because to some degree, I think the people who are expressing that outrage, as you're saying about the hijab, they're, they're doing it simply because they want to demonstrate their belonging to a group or to a particular political point of view. Yeah, I mean, they're not. They are not angry at what you said. They are angry at the topic. They haven't really understood what the joke is. They've just seen the topic and said, "Well, I want to be angry about this topic, or I don't want this topic to be the subject of satire, and therefore I'm going to react." Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's 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 sort of like that's all of our work, you know. It's like that's <laughs> if if we want to take that into account, then then we don't do our work, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> um, what about then the serious side of satire? Because it's not just 
it's not just jokes. I mean, there's a there's a political logic to laughing at power. This is what you said. You wrote an essay for us, um, and you said this that that part of part of the way that authoritarian regimes enforce their power is that they make sure that there are no sources of dissent, and satire is an important part of dissent. That's something that you believe as part of the the founding mission, almost. Yeah, I mean, it's like because it's it's just sort of like it's so it's a form of opposition. It's a form of speaking out against things, and it's like and like when we started it, it was like when we started the magazine initially, it was just like sectors. So like we were writing uh, like screenplays, and it's like we weren't able to write anything. And it's like I just need to find an outlet. As a like we like we we had uh, journalists on board, and we were also not able to sort of say anything in their serious organizations. So it's like it felt like that it's a uh, it's a way to be able to talk about what's happening and to uh, in in ways that you won't be stopped uh, mm. and like and and because because of the nature of satire because it sort of it leaves people a little bit confused and it sort of it makes people think like it's like like an important part of it is like sort of making people rethink what they already um, have in their minds. So I think it's it's very important for us. To be able to, you know, speak whatever it is, because that is a form of rebellion um, in some form or another. In the essay that you wrote for us, I mean, you talk about how satire is so important for authoritarian regimes. But I think there's also, I mean, an importance of vitality to it in the context of democracies. There have been periods of time um, in my observation of, you know, American politics and British politics, where it seems like satire is the only real opposition. That, that I think, is what happened in the Trump era where it was mainly the satirists who understood how to oppose him rather than um, the mainstream media, at least in the early days. So it's not just the, the authoritarian regimes that need to be satirized. All political regimes need to be satirized to some degree. Yeah, and I think it's like, uh, like spot on. Like, it's like if you're looking at, uh, like in, in America, it's like they were, they were the ones that weren't giving him equal coverage in the same way that, you know, it's like all other outlets were. It's like as if, as if what he's saying is actually worth anything or, you know, it's like, or the whole idea of sort of like giving both sides or like, you know, in, in uh, Britain when, uh, you know, the far right is given the same amount of, uh, coverage uh, on uh, on the BBC just because you know it's like it's, it's all equal. It's like it's not. It should not be treated as that. And like that is a core of a pro the problem that satire, um, especially in America, uh, has dealt with. I think incredibly well, and we are sort of quite aware of it. Obviously, um, in our work, is there something that you are hoping to achieve by by the satire? I mean, a bigger thing, you know, merely than not merely than having a successful publication, attracting a community and making people laugh. Is there something larger than that that you're hoping to achieve? I, I feel like like satire and satire, I think, in general, is just like a constant reminder of pe to people of what freedom of speech looks like. I think it's sort of because in some ways it is uh extreme like it's 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 not you know it's like it's it's not very black and white it's like it's out there it's like it's sort of shouting what it's trying what, what it's saying but at the same time the way we're i like to think that we're doing it properly is also making people understand like where the those lines are obviously like, what i, I think it's, like, it's a very good um 
articulation or sort of uh, uh, a rounding up of what freedom of speech should look like. And I feel like, say, we feel I, a lot of the reason that I feel we keep going is that we this needs to just keep going. This needs like people. This is how like aside from going after governments or um, sort of crit critiquing them and all of that, but mm. it's about people seeing how people. No, it's more like having people see what it should look like. Mm. And so you give them the example I, of, of attacking both sides, or you, you give them the example of the, for example, the Lejeune story, you give them the example of the absurdity of it, and that makes them reconsider perhaps where they were politically. Yeah, part of, yeah uh, what you said, definitely, but also on top of that, just uh, that, that, you know, it's like, it, like for, for so many decades, there was no freedom of speech. Like so most people, it's like you, they read the newspaper, and this is what you get. Like this is the propaganda that you're getting, and there, there's no, there, there's nothing else. But like, aside from the fact that there are independent media um, that are, that have sprung around the region where people can read something that is different from the original story. But with satire, it's like it's reading that story with like actual like 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 hard critique on it. So it's like it feels like it's, like, it's a constant reminder. It's like oh, it's like this is what we could say mm. if things were okay, you know, mm. and it's. Like, like it's, it's a, a like a, a, I mean maybe it's too cheesy but it's like it's a it's a bit of a taste of freedom. You're you're actually um, showing people what you think they could do. Media organizations, for example, that this is what you could actually publish, and we're highlighting the bits that you're not publishing. Yeah, and but also like not not but not necessarily in the form of satire. It's like obviously it's like that they could do satire, but also if you're doing anything else, you could go and push those lines and those restrictions. And second, like, this is this is what it would look like if we were able to say things. Mm. You've now changed because you for years you were publishing an Arabic version, and now you're publishing an English language version as well. So you now have a, a new audience. And I wonder if you think that there are challenges with that. I mean, do you think that it's different when you're writing for an English language audience rather than for an Arabic one? Right. Uh, I think, like, for example, it's like we, we write some original articles, which obviously would be taken completely from the perspective of language. I think, I think it's like, especially with humor, like language plays a massive part. So um, uh, if we're if we're translating something, it's normally completely rewritten. Um, and if we're writing something so original, you are sort of like writing it, um, uh, like you know, it's like for for an English audience using sort of it's it's like the idioms and the sort of and the word structures and the sentence structures for uh, humor are, are completely different. So we'd be writing it uh, in a very different way, even if it would be the exact same topic. But I guess I I understand that part. But I guess the pit I was interested in was whether you think the the satire translates, and whether you think that people in the West are people in the English language are reading it in the same context. So I'll give you a, a direct question about that. Um, I, I think that when and I'm using these terms very broadly, but I mean I think you understand the underlying point I'm making. That when people in the West find out about a hadood. It sometimes seems to me that there is a sense, not exactly of schadenfreude, but of saying, aha, at last someone is brave enough to say what needs to be said. And I think that particularly applies to the Middle East, because there is a sense, let's be honest, that there, there's a sense in the West that the Middle East and maybe Muslims more generally need to be mocked and that they, they don't like being mocked. 
Do you recognize any of that? No, definitely. Like, this is something when we started, because we, ha we have an editorial policy for Arabic, and when we started the English one, we, we sort of like, it's completely different, because you, we need to be very much aware of that. Um, because uh, And like when we're writing things, it's like some things would I would just translate happily, and some things I would just like say this is this would only be taken in the context that you're you're saying, and it's like it would be sort of like I've seen articles that were written in Arabic that have been Google translated and published on uh, like sort of uh, I think it was yeah a, a far right far right American websites like there was one guy who was obsessed with sort of translating the things that were doing like that were writing about the region in that way, but like but at the end of the day it's. Uh, what we are very careful what we're translating um, to, to make sure that may, the main goal of it is coming through. Like obviously there are things that are worth critiquing and if we want it and we want it, need it in English and we, or we think that it would be relevant to the audience, we will do that. But um, we don't just do it anyway. We don't just say, oh, it's so like whatever's in Arabic will go out to the English language because it will, it can be, the the goal of it could be completely seen differently as you know as uh, like someone could read something that we're writing uh about yeah that like so, you know the, the two-year-old uh article that we were talking about, about earlier hijab, and just, yeah 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 and yeah. i just think it's like yeah this is like like it would be like lapped up by uh, some right-wing publication but right. for, the most, for the most part this is not what its life is uh, and it I want to stick with it because I understand that a lot of it isn't that, but there are quite a few articles which can be seen as confirming the worst biases of Westerners. So you, I wonder if you think that sometimes you're playing directly into the hands of these Islamophobic and anti-Arab sentiments. Uh, I think the way we're approaching it is that the audience that we are gathering, uh, and obviously it's like you can only have so much control of that, but generally you the, the audience that you gather is normally the audience that that sort of in some way or another associates with what you with what your values are, etc. So for if ninety percent of the audience is the is the audience that I want, and then there's that ten percent that will be using it in this way and that way, I think as long as we're aware of that. I think then that is fine because like at the end of the day, it, it, like none of that is going to just like you can only control your work so much like, like on how it goes. And as long as there is a balance in how uh, in what result it leads to or how it is being used or all of that, then I think it should be fine. Mm. I wanted to end, because we're coming up to the hour, I wanted to end by uh, talking about some personal aspects. Um, what was it that attracted you personally to satire in the first place? Um, I mean, I, I studied uh, film writing and directing, and when I, sort of, I, I mostly was writing, and I had a, sort of an... Uh, an a closeness to comedy um i enjoyed that i mostly enjoyed sort of like comedy dialogues actually at the time maybe 12 13 years ago um so i come from screenwriting um like rather than the journalism part uh half of our team are journalists actually and half of them are comedy writers funnily um but i come i come from the sort of the creative writing uh slash uh screen playwriting and i liked the writing of comedy in general do you think, I mean, when you first started, did, did it take you a while to find an audience for it? Or was the audience sort of right there waiting for you? 
Um, so like the, the day we launched, luckily, uh, and through it's like we had, we were, none of us was actually popular in any way or had any followers, but the day, uh, we sort of just put the site out, we got 30,000 readers, um, uh, and I think maybe 10,000 followers or something like that on the first day. So it was like a great sort of, uh, uh, hit, uh, uh, early on, but also I think uh, with time, it's like it's proved actually to be more difficult because you know there are like small like there are you know the circles that appreciated satire at the time. It's like deadpan satire and the way we sort of were doing it were sort of like smaller circles and mostly the ones that are uh, familiar with the English format because like this like deadpan political satire. I don't think it really was there a lot. Um, so and then after a while it's like it's sort of like and then after that it became the real challenge to get people who are not familiar with the format to actually enjoy the format and what's being written in it but you definitely think that there's there is an audience out there that would benefit from it not merely that they would be entertained but from it, by it but that they would that they are actually they will actually benefit from reading this sort of satire yeah, I mean, like, that's uh, otherwise, otherwise, why do this? You know, there are a lot of other careers. <laughs> well, why? Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll end with that. I mean, why, why do you think it's important? Why do you think it matters that it is important work? Um, a few things, I think. Uh, I think one important part is I really like the combination of sort of journalism and creativity that's in it. And I think in the region where like a lot of like, it's like with the clampdown of on freedoms, there was a, even a clampdown on sort of on creative efforts. So it's like there's, it sort of exemplifies two things of freedom of speech and uh, uh, sort of creativity and and writing. So in, in that way, I think there's a very important part in, I think the creativity that comes out of this, like like the the the, the writing that comes out. Um, there's the part that I mentioned earlier that it is. A reminder of what freedom of speech looks like and the other thing is just the reminder to people that critiquing one side doesn't mean that you're against it like, it's like the critique is a healthy part of society which i think as a thing has completely died out because most people just see it's like you know it's like if you're uh, critiquing one side then you're uh, you know you're mainly just sort of trying to push the propaganda of the other ones so i think like it, there are a few things, a few reminders within the work that we do that I think needs to sort of constantly be in the minds of um, society uh, mm. as a whole. You, of course, even though it is satire and it's funny, you are still dealing on a daily basis in your work with some of the worst aspects of the Middle East, wars and uh, tragedies and torture and things like this. Do you, even in the midst of that, do you feel optimistic about the region? Oh God! <laughs> um, in, it's, it's a difficult one to be honest because, like, like over like when we started, there was a lot of optimism and there was a lot of sort of like uh, a feeling of that we might be going somewhere, and then that has been dying slowly. But recently, I think a, 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 a small push against that has been the events in Palestine, where you felt like like there was one place in the region where the slow um, decline of everything and the 
takeover of authoritarians and evil uh, uh, um, uh, rulers it's sort of has been stopped and there's like an actual backlash against it. So I think this is one place that I feel that there is. And I feel that because of the centrality of Palestine to the region, I feel that could have that, that could have a wider effect of the of hope elsewhere. Isam Alaykhad, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Isam's essay is on our website, newlinesmag.com. It's called In Cracking Jokes, a satire publication takes aim at authoritarian's grip. You'll find Al-Hudud at alhudud.net. You'll find Isam on Twitter at Isam Al-Raqad. And thank you all for joining us 